picked to do that this morning when the Holy Spirit's been wrecking me all morning. But um, <clears throat> to be um, to be a pastor is something that I don't think a lot of people understand. I know I didn't until I become a pastor and. Um, I used to love being an evangelist because then I could go and give them hell and go home. You know what I'm saying? Amen. I could go and preach and I could go home. I had to worry about nothing. But when God made me a pastor, God began to change my heart. And um, as my heart changed, I began to have, I guess you could say, extreme empathy. And so um, when you hurt, I hurt. When, when you're going through a divorce, I'm going through a divorce. When you lost a family member, I feel the same pain. And, and so it's something that I never have had or experienced before. And until I became a pastor, I've never understood that. And so God has given me, some days I think it's a burden, not a gift, but the way to feel pain. And, and so sometimes, church, if you see me broken, it's just because of the pain I felt all that week because of, I love God's church. I love each and every one of you. I've been looking for you all over the place. I was going to make you stand up here with me. But Sabrina and I, we love you guys. And, and I don't want you to think that me giving her that gift and y'all leaving, like I don't appreciate that like I do. It means more than you know because some days I feel like we get up and, I mean, this is our life. I mean, this is our life. No, you, are, you guys growing is our life. And, and God's put us here to, to grow, you guys, and it just means a lot, so thank you. Y'all could have said amen or something. Stop making it so awkward. Oh, it's just, um, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. So, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, if you will. I'm going to pray for us. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for your mercy and uh, your compassion. I thank you, Father, for how much you love us and, and, Lord, how far you went to redeem us. I thank you, God, for Jesus. Lord, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for loving us enough to go the extra mile. And, God, I pray that would empower us and encourage us to do the same. So, God, moving us tonight, today, I pray, God, you would speak to us as we go through your word. And I pray, God, that you would take us to a, a different place than where we are right now. So, God, moving our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, we're jumping off of the 412. And over the last three months, God has been really, really burdening my heart for relationships. And, and, and I wasn't going to preach on relationships. I wasn't going to do that. I was going to stick to the 412, but the more as I continued on, it continued to, to really burden my heart. Cause I, I don't know about y'all, but I know how Sabrina and I, we, we, we dated through high school. We, we dated five years. We got married, and neither one of us was, was living for Jesus. We thought we were. We never were. We did, I didn't know anything about marriage counseling, nothing. 
Nobody mentioned it, anything. Y'all, some of you look at me like you lived under a rock. But I'm telling you, like, I didn't know. So no, I had no one to tell me what to, what to expect out of marriage, what to expect out of a relationship or anything. And the, I think the only advice I had was a, was a light chuckle and <laughs> good luck. And, and so as we, we, we've survived by the grace of God for 16 years, and, and this year we'll celebrate that. And, and I'm so thankful for her and, and uh, how she changes me every day. But the thing is, is what I realized is our marriage has not been very glamorous. And there's a lot of times it hadn't, I know she probably hadn't enjoyed it. I'm not going to say I hadn't. She's on the second row. I'm going to preach about marriage today. You know, I think that one thing is I began, and I'm not preaching on marriage. This is not going to be a series on marriage. It's going to be a series called Reclaim, because I feel like we need to reclaim what relationships really mean in the Bible. And it's not so because you start preaching a marriage series, and those who've been divorced, like I'll see you when it's over. Those of you who wish you were in the middle of a divorce, but like I'll see you when it's over. Those of you that are, that, that are single, like this don't apply to me, I'll see you when it's over. And that's not it. This is, this is relationships on all dynamics. God's been speaking to my heart about some things that we just don't talk about in church. We don't, we don't talk about hard things. And so to, today we're going we're gonna to break this, this series out talking about. God's purpose for marriage and relationships. We're going to talk about, as weeks to come, we're going to talk about, in, in context of relationships, what friendship and intimacy look like. We're going to talk about killing passivity. Some of y'all ladies need to say amen on that. But we need to be killing passivity in the relationship. We're going to be talking about, the, really the biggest elephant in the room, is how to deal with conflict and how to forgive one another and move on past hurt. Because a lot of marriages die because of bitterness, because you never dealt with hurt. A lot of relationships end because you can't get over something. And then the last thing is, is talk about just how, how God-centered, gospel-centered relationship, how it glorifies God and how really it completes us. And so as, as we go through these weeks, I just pray that, that, that it ministers to your heart and that God changes you through it. Because I know that one of the biggest things I see in the church and is, is just not just the church, it's just how... We should be the representation of Christ through the world, amen? And the church has the highest divorce rate than the world does. And we're supposed to be the one that can get along with anybody, but we can't get along with the ones that live with us. It don't make sense, does it? And I understand it's hard. I understand it's difficult. I understand that. But it was made, we make it difficult because of our lack of desire to submit. And so if we do, if we, if we have godly marriages and godly relationships the way Christ has called us to have relationships, they are so much more fulfilling and a lot less the more, you won't, you won't dread those, you won't dread it. Especially if you've been hurt in the past, it's like you, 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 you really just dread getting in a relationship, but you choose to get in one because you don't want to be lonely and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And so... You know, one of the biggest things I want to understand is and today we're going to be talking about marriage, but we've got to understand that marriage is not about you. We've painted it that it's about us. We've painted it that it's about this, this, this glorious wedding, and, and this, this, it's not about you. Marriage should be pointing people to Jesus, right? It should be pointing people to Christ. And J.D. Greer made this statement, and, and I love it. He says, divorce is not usually the problem. It's the fruit of the problem. 
the root is a life that is self-centered. The problem is that people go into marriage looking for someone to complete them and make them happy. And when their spouse quits doing that or things get difficult to, to live with in life, or they meet someone else that they think might do it better for them, then they get a divorce. And I think that, that, that's, that's the way the world looks at problems. That's the way the world looks at relationships. When it gets hard, let me find somebody else. Let's do something different. That's why, so much, that's why so many men in marriages, their, their, their relationships are destroyed because they're looking for the wife to complete them and their wife doesn't meet their sexual needs so, so they go to pornography. That's why it's, it's an epidemic in the church today because we're looking for somebody else to meet our needs instead of us realizing that the only way that our needs are going to be truly met is when we are submitted to Christ. We're truly submitted to God. And, and I'm not telling you something that I've heard. I'm telling you something that I know. I'll tell you something I've experienced. Because half of our marriage, we were trying, I, I was thinking she was supposed to be my slave. She was supposed to do what I wanted her to do when I wanted her to do it. And if she didn't do it, then I was mad. And then when I got mad, she was mad. And she ain't happy. I mean, she ain't fun to be around when she's mad. And, and so when, when, we, when we went through that cycle of almost eight years of marriage, I mean, it was hell. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun a bit. I remember thinking, where in the world did this woman that I was madly in love with while we dated for five years, I began to understand why I waited five years to ask her to marry me. Because in my mind, I had painted her out to be the villain. I had painted her out to be so bad. But man, let me tell you how patient that woman is because she put up with me for eight years before we had to change some things. And if we're not careful, we will be miserable in our marriages. We'll be miserable in our relationships because we choose not to submit to the ultimate authority, and that's Christ. Once our marriage started being based on Jesus, everything started changing. It didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of patience on both of our parts. But when that started happening, things started changing. See, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, in verse 26, God looked, God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they looked at each other and said, we're going to make man in our image. Amen? We're, we were designed to mirror the image of Jesus, to mirror the image of God. And so if we're supposed to, if we're supposed to be image bearers of Christ, then our relationship should, should, should be the same way. When people see our relationships, it should point people to Christ because we should have such a radical love for one another, a radical, just we put up with each other, we, we long suffer through things, we don't quit, we keep persevering. We should have, people should see that and be drawn to God because the only way you can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. See, we quit because we quit on God. And I know I promise, through this, I'm, I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. That's why it's hard to preach a relationship series. Because you got people in all different camps. you got people that are struggling. you got people who are happy. you got people who have been through a divorce. you got people who have been through five divorces. I'm sorry, I didn't know you was in here. I meant 50. I meant 50. <laughs> Way to make it awkward, Miss Sandra. You have people in all different camps, and it never, never, somebody gets offended. The thing is, I'm not telling this to offend you. I want to help you. 
Because I, I want everyone, because let me tell you what's crazy, is life is so much more fulfilling when you are fulfilled in the context of marriage. And you won't be fulfilled in that context unless your relationship is based on your relationship with Christ. Like if, if it, that, that vertical relationship is right, the relationship with your spouse and everyone else will be right. And we, 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 marriage is meant to be so beautiful, but yet we make it so dirty. We make it so scandalous. You know, I heard a couple weeks ago of a, of a friend of mine. That don't, don't go to church here. Don't even live around here. But he he's, was struggling in his marriage, and he just felt it'd be easier just to go get another one than to deal with the one he's got. And I'm like, dude, what in the world is your problem? Well, she's this, and she's that, and she's this. And I was like, you ever thought that the problem might just be you? Click, and they won't talk to me. We don't want to deal with our issues because we want to put it on everybody else. And when, when, when we're really in alignment with God, when, then we, allow, we realize, you know what, it might not be them. It might be, God, you're trying to change me. Amen? And so Ephesians chapter 5 says this in verse 33. Paul says, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and will be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, I think what, what we realize, what we think, is we think that marriage is the ultimate goal. Okay, we're going we're gonna to date, we're going to get out of high school, we're going to get a job, and we're going to get married. Like, it's a notch on the success belt sometimes. We think marriage is the ultimate goal to fulfill all of us. But marriage is not the ultimate goal. Marriage is a sign of something higher. Marriage is a sign of something greater. Because how in the world can two imperfect people live together without killing each other except from the power of God? Amen? And so I think, think we've got to realize that you were created to love Jesus. Okay? My wife does not complete me. She makes my life a lot worth living some days. But I'm completed through Jesus. And when we live our life to where I want my, my spouse to complete me, you're going down a dangerous road. Because there's going to be a lot of days where they don't complete you. There's going to be a lot of days in which things are hard. Marriage was created, church, for, for, to be just a real tangible thing that people could see. A real tangible thing that people could see, the amazing love of Jesus that he has for us. Nothing has really... Wow to me more than anything. When I was 16 years old, I had never really seen someone love a woman like I saw this man that I didn't even know. Opening every door. Helping her into his vehicle. It was raining. This homeboy opens, took time and gets around, gets in the truck, gets in the, lets her in. And it wowed me. It's like, what's wrong with this fool? You know, our relationship started like that. It wowed me, and I'm like, I want, I want to make sure I'm going to be my wife's protector. I'm going to open the door for her every day. I'm going, when we walk beside the road, I'm going to stand on the inside lane. Amen? I'm going to stand inside. I'm going to keep her from, from getting hurt. I'm going to protect my wife. And it starts out that way. You start out opening the door, and next thing you know, you, you, you marry 10 years, and, and she's just lucky she's in the car before you leave. And it's, and it's not meant for that. Our relationships should point people to Jesus. 
When, pe when people see the love you have for one another, the sacrifice, it should say, what do you have that I don't have? And, and you don't say, oh, I, well, we got romance, we got love. No, you can say we have Jesus because the only way I can love this fool like I do is because of what God has done in me. You know, and, and, and so one of the greatest things that, and to me when I read Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, it says, therefore, if you are... If you have any encouragement for, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Verse 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's verse 3, I'm sorry. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. You know, Paul understood the power of unity in relationships. And the power of unity in a marriage is, 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 is humongous. It's a big thing. You have to be together. You have to be together. That means you have to communicate. You have to talk. Being of one mind, being together. See, so many people are miserable in their marriage because they don't talk about problems. They don't talk about issues. They think that they're just going to go away. If I, man, if I, I just got to work harder. I just got to do better. I got to, I, okay. I remember when our, our issues were happening, all I tried to do was I tried to throw money at the problem. Buy roses. She threw them in the trash. Do all these different things I did. I, I promise. I, I'm trying to get her where she'll want to come up here and preach one day on the women's side of it. But she, the thing is, we did all these things. Even she, she did things for me. And everything that we tried to do, we were throwing stuff at the problem, but we wasn't handling the issues inside of us. Because you know why? I ain't the one, I ain't the one having an issue. It's her. And she's saying, I ain't the one who's got the issue, it's you. And we keep blaming each other out of our prideful ways instead of dealing with the problems. And so to be unified, to be one-minded, is to realize, look, there's something going on. I don't know what's happening, and I know, I know that marriage glorifies God, so we need to figure this thing out. That's when our marriage took a turn for the best. We sat down in the living room for two weeks crying about divorce, how we're going to divide stuff up, and, then, and, and, and I didn't want a divorce she didn't know any, any way better but to get a divorce. We're sitting there struggling through this stuff. Here we are supposed to be Christians, and we're talking about divorce, and we're struggling through these things for two weeks until we finally got together and realized what some issues were and started working through them. That's when things changed. When we stop putting blame on each other and we take the blame that we need to take and own up to the junk that we're doing and say, let's move on. Amen? It's time that we bury the hatchet on a lot of stuff. See, Paul knew that selfishness kills relationships. He knew that. And it's when we were, I'm promoting my wants, my desires, my things. I'm putting all my stuff over my spouse. One of the greatest things I regret more than anything is, I, I laughed at it at the time, but the more I thought about it, it broke my heart because my wife said she was a widow during the season. I'm like, what you mean during the season? She's like, whatever season's in, I'm a widow. If it's hunting season, fishing season, 
bird sees it, if the fish are biting, I don't see you, but, but when, when, when those seasons are gone, then you're home for a little while. And then you're my husband. And I laughed about it because that's what I had always saw growing up. That's what a man did. He did his own thing, his own way, and his wife was already always home waiting on him. And I didn't realize that the way I was living was hurting my wife because it was showing her that I had all these other things more important than she was. And I was the selfish, most selfish human being on the planet. But my selfishness was killing my relationship. See, only focusing on what you can get out of a relationship is very selfish. What I can get out of the other person, that kills a relationship. So many people get married for the wrong reasons. I'm going to try my best to keep this thing PG-13. Y'all with me? So, so the rest of these messages, I'm going to try my best, but we'll see what happens. But when you start out having a relationship and you start out the wrong way, you begin to have a relationship based on one thing. When you have that relationship based on sex, when you have it based on these things, when those things stop, then you're on to the next one because you were only in it for what you could get out of it. When you stop fulfilling my needs, I'm going to find my needs somewhere else. That's promoted by selfishness. And that's not God's design. That's not what being Christ-like looks like. See, humility kills selfishness. It kills selfishness. When you're humble, it kills selfishness. God's word says that he resists the proud, but he promotes the humble. Amen? Submission kills selfishness. When we're submissive to one another, when I'm submitting myself to Jesus and through that submission to Christ, when I'm submitting to Christ, what am I saying? I'm saying, I'm going to listen to you because I respect you and I know that your ways are better than me. When I'm, when I'm submitting to Jesus, it's going to be easier for me to submit to my spouse. But when I'm not submitting to Jesus, then there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to submit to what she has to say because my opinion is always king. But when I'm, I'm really submissive and I'm listening to God. See, when you're, humble, you, when you're humble, you value others over yourself. You value others' opinion over yourself. You actually want to listen. But when you're not humble, you don't care what they have to say because it's all about you and your problems and all about your needs not being met. But when you actually sit down and listen, that means you're saying, I'm putting me to the side and I'm putting you to the forefront and I want to hear and I value what you have to say. It's so important in a relationship. See, when you're humble, you look not at how this affects others, how this affects yourself, but it looks at, you look at how it affects other people. You know what y'all realized? Two years ago, I realized this, how God was changing me. It's how hunting season came in. I was the first one in the deer stand. And, and that first year, my wife said, I want to go. We didn't have but one stand. It was an internal conflict, church. I'm like, well, I ain't got but one stand. It ain't a buddy stand. And she was like, well, okay, okay. Well, then I won't go. And I'm like, no, 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 you go, you go. I took her to the deer stand. I'm driving back. And for the first time in my life, I was not mad. 
for the first time in my life, I was happy that she was getting to do something she enjoyed. And here I'll go. You know what I did? I went back to the house and cooked supper. I'm like, I have turned into a woman. What is wrong with me? <laughs> but it was only Christ's work through me making me realize that my idol that I had held up wasn't an idol. Well, it shouldn't be an idol. Like I should be willing to share whatever if, if, to fulfill the needs of my wife, to fulfill the needs of someone else. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm humble, my selfishness will die. And it's hard to kill selfishness in our relationships if we're not intentional with it. That's why you always have to put their needs above yours. If you put their needs above yours every day, you will, it will help you kill your selfish self. It's hard because even me, I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm, I'm a selfish man. It's hard sometimes. I come home the other day, and I've been working all day, and Sabrina's been home with Payson. I don't know why we men think that, that a stay-at-home mom is not important because I would be crazy if I had to stay home with Payson all the day, every day. But I come home from work, and he had been running her crazy. And I come home from work, and I, I'd, I had been up since 4. I'd, I had been nonstop. I'd, I had been wide open doing all these different things. I think that particular day... Somebody had ran over my $30,000 survey instrument and destroyed it. So I come home, stressed out, mad. Let's just sit down on the couch. I sit down for a minute, and she'd been there with pacing all day long. She needed a break. She had no idea how my day been. And so she was like, I just need you to do something. I'm like, I'm going to do something. I mean, it's real. You want to be real with you? And I get mad for a minute, and then she, you know, I hate a crown woman. Lord, man, she knows that. She fakes some of it, I believe. <laughs> and so she begins, to, she, begins to, she begins to cry a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And as the night goes on, we begin to have a really in-depth conversation just about, all right, I know I work all the time, but what can I do to help you? If I, if I need to come home and, and, and if I need to cook, if I need to clean the dishes, whatever you need me to do, I will do whatever you need me to do to, to help you. That's not Jeremy. That's Jesus in Jeremy. Because Jeremy would have been sitting there saying, fix me some tea sugar and get over it. I'm just going to be real. That's how I grew up. I mean, it was just like a woman is supposed to wait on a man hand and foot. But that ain't how it is. I treated her, I treated her like, like she was my slave instead of my co-partner. And so, I, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to make you understand how easy it is to fall into being selfish. And I struggle with sharing that stuff because people look at you different when you start sharing stuff like that. But unity is so important because when you're together in things, then it promotes it. Like-mindedness. When you, when you want to be unified, then you, you're starting to consider them over you, all right? You come to an agreement. You, you come to an understanding. It's not always your way. It's unified. One of the biggest areas we see that messed up in the church is parenting. One want to parent this way, one want to parent that way. Instead of coming together and let's, let's be together in it. My little boy's two years old. He knows... That daddy ain't going to say no but one time and then it's on. And he knows that he can push mama's buttons a little bit further. On certain days. How about that? But if we aren't agreeing on how we're going to parent our child, 
then he's going to manipulate us to get what he wants. And what that does is when, is when he gets what he wants, and I told him no, and she said yes, then that makes us fight because we're not together. And it's even more complicated when you have a blended family. That's why you have to, have to, have to be intentional with communicating and talking to one another because even if, even if you have a blended family, it's still not about you nor your kids. It's about you and your spouse. That's first. And y'all have to talk. Y'all have to figure out how we're going to parent these other kids. And it's hard in a blended family because I've seen it because oh, you're going to talk to my youngest that way. Because we haven't talked about parameters on how we're going to parent my kids from a previous relationship and your kids from a previous relationship. We hadn't talked about that. And that's the way that Satan gets in and just causes all kind of havoc in a relationship and in a marriage because what it does is it pits you against each other and it just totally destroys you being unified. You have to desire for, to be unified and that talk, you have to have clear communication and clear guidelines. Verse 5 says that we should have the same mind as Christ. See, the mystery is that we should have the relationship should mirror how Christ loves the church. Y'all with me? Christ loved the church sacrificially. Christ loved the church unconditionally. Christ loved the church until his death. So if we're supposed to love each other as Christ loved the church, then divorce shouldn't be an option. Now, I understand divorce happens. I understand that. And that's another message for another day. But the thing is, is we have to realize that we have to have in a relationship, we have to have the same mind as Christ, realizing that there's a greater purpose, right? I understand now that there's a greater purpose for our marriage than for than, than Sabrina and I to be happy. That's a bonus. But our relationship should show people how, how we love each other sacrificially and, and how we, we get over issues we're not always mad. I'm not running her down to everybody, and she's not running me down to everybody. No amens on that one, all right? People should see how we love each other and it should say, what in the world do they have that I don't have? They should, it should point people to Jesus. And when somebody comes up and is like, all right, how, how do y'all do this? And then it gives you an open opportunity to share the gospel. You want to be able to share the gospel in this world? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. You want to figure out how to share the gospel? Love your husband like Christ loved the church. Because when you do that, it's going to show people how selfish they are when you're sacrificially doing things. But we don't do that because we're selfish. And like, we're like, you know what? I know they've had a hard day, but I ain't clean. I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't doing that laundry. I ain't doing it. Ain't my job. Huh? I know the house is a wreck. I ain't doing that junk. Come home from work, be like, I've had a hard day. He better just fix him a sandwich because I ain't fixing no supper for that fool. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to sacrifice. We just want to do us. And, want, and then we want everybody to accommodate us. But when we're humble, it changes things. We've got to have the mind of realizing when I've realized that my marriage points people to Christ, then it changed everything in my, my perspective. When, I, when we realize that, that having the same mind of Christ, that Christ was focused on the mission, Right? Christ was focused on the mission. When I'm focused on the mission of God, when I, I, that's when I love my wife an extra mile. I open the door in public. I, do all the, I, go, I go above and beyond to try to, to, to protect her. 
Because it's all about the mission of God. When I'm, when I'm focused, on, when I'm focused on, on Jesus, I want to see Jesus, and I'm going to do anything in the world to keep me from seeing Jesus, I'm going to do whatever it means possible to keep her happy. Because I'm not loving her to make her happy. I'm loving her to make Christ happy. And it changes everything. It changes everything. To have the same mindset of Christ means that I have sacrificial service. It's shown, and, and you know, when I'm, we talk about sacrifice for each other, and it's almost like a negative thing. Oh, I got to do without. I got, I got, I got to not go to a ball game. I got to quit going hunting. I got to quit doing this. I got to quit playing golf. I got to, I got to quit going out with the girls. I got to quit doing all these different things. Oh, I can't go because so-and-so don't want me to. You know, one of the biggest things with me is, is when um, I, I stopped, I, the reason I didn't quit hunting because every time I would not go, my hunting buddies would say, oh, boy, you just whipped. Be real with you. Boy, she cracking that whip today. You're going to leave, ain't you? And you know what? Uh-uh. Supper might be cold, but I ain't leaving today. They ain't going to think. They ain't there going to think that she whipped me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, she got you trained, son. Come on. Some of y'all have even said it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so instead of, instead of like not worrying about what they think, but only worry about caring for your wife. But you know what I learned? When I didn't care about what they said, they shut up saying that junk. They were just doing it to manipulate me to stay because they wanted me to, they wanted to laugh at our, our arguments. But see, when, the sacrificing, when I sacrifice, what I've realized, church, is this. When I'm sacrificing because I love her, it satisfies me. When I, when I stop going hunting and start letting her go as much, that gives me, when she kills her deer, man, that gets me excited. It does. When we go fishing in the river together, boy, that's been some opportunities for divorce a lot of times. Ooh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Reality show could have been there a couple days. But when we go fishing and, we, and she's starting to wear me out catching fish, as much as I, competitive as I am, I love it that she's going and we're together. I could have brought anybody that I wanted to bring, but instead I brought my, my, my life partner, my wife, with me to enjoy this. Man, it means so much. Well, you, you, you begin to, to love sacrificing for your spouse. And I want you to understand something, that you end up, the, what you put into a marriage is what you're going to get out of a marriage. What you put into a relationship is what you're going to get out of a relationship. And so many times we're expecting to get something out of it that we're not willing to put into it. And if we're not willing to put into it, we're not going to get out. That's where our expectations are all jacked up. All jacked up. See, but if we're both submitted to the Lord, each other, and to each other, then we'll be satisfied. So there won't be any temptation to leave. There won't be any, any, anything of saying, I'm not fulfilled because I'm submitting for your greater good. I'm submitting because I love you. I'm submitting because I care for you. I'm submitting because I love Jesus. You can't have a fulfilled marriage, honestly, I 100% believe this, that without really understanding what it means to be submitted to God. Because until you understand what it means to be submitted to God, you're not willing to give up nothing for anybody else. See, the second thing, as I read through this text, I understood that, that 
marriage and relationships are active in the sanctification process. Come on, y'all with me? I thought I knew my wife and she thought she knew me until we got married and moved in together. Two weeks later, she was like, you are the nastiest man I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, you're the pickiest woman I've ever met in my life. Back and forth, back and forth. But you know what I've learned over the years? Is, boy, she's polished this old boy up a little bit. She, I, I, I still throw the clothes on the floor. But I don't do a lot of other stuff that I used to do. You know why? Because I'm sacrificing because I want her. I want to please her. I want to make her happy. It's active. It's, it, two imperfect people living together are going to have conflict. Those people that, that, that get out the car and they're grinning and they're just smiling and they've they been in love since day one and they don't have no fights, they lying to you and themselves. Because when they go home, give me tell you what happens. They open the door, it's ding, ding, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Because <laughs> it is going down. I won't never forget this couple. I was going to church one Sunday. I got behind this couple. We were going to church and we dropped down. We was coming up the, the hill. I was by myself. And this mama was waylaying the youngins in the back seat. I ain't talking about this. No, they're like a ceiling fan was going on in there. It was just like this right here, just, just going. And then she was like this to whoever was driving. They get out of the car and they do this right here. The fella gets out and he brushes off. He walks around, opens the door for his wife. She gets out. They, I mean, they're like little ducks walking into the church. And I'm right behind them and I'm laughing. I was like, good morning. How was y'all morning been? Oh, man, it's been so good. <laughs> and me being me, I was like, you a lie. Because I seen y'all down the road. And they were like, oh, you saw that? I was like, yeah, I saw that. But, but, but people who promote and act like their life is perfect are liars. But those people who act like they're perfect, we try to compare our life to them, and then it causes us fussing. I wish you were more like so-and-so. Don't do that. Because they are jacked up. I love the definition that I, that I saw in a book this past week. It says, sanctification is the beautiful and sometimes painful refining of the soul, the kindness of God to involve himself in our growth and in our grace. Marriage is often the most beautiful tool he uses to shape our lives and expose our edges. Identifying expectations and idols, we both lug around about life. What we imagine marriage should be. And facing the reality of what it actually is. Honestly, looking at those painful, unmet expectations and moving forward toward one another in love and forgiveness. I think that's the most beautiful words I've ever heard talk about sanctification. But see, marriage is where we grow in grace, church. When you have conflict at home and things, you got to give them grace. That's where you learn. That's where I learned to give grace the most at home. When things aren't going Jeremy's way, I got to give grace. When, 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 when she overreacts, I got to give grace. When, when I overreact and I act like a jerk, then I have to hope and pray that she's going to give me grace. I don't know how many times I stormed out the house just mad, threatening I was never coming back, and then come around the block and I'm like, Lord, I hope the door ain't locked because I left my keys. 
And she'd always come and she'd say, you sure you want to come in? <laughs> yeah, baby, it's cold out here. Oh, is it cold outside? I remember those days. You remember them days? I hope I don't have a recurrence of that today. <laughs> but, but what grace is, the grace is the ability of God in me to do what I cannot do in myself. Right? And so if I, it's, unable, it's hard for me to love you unless I'm walking with grace of God, unless I'm extending the grace of God. Because that's what relationships do. That's what marriage does. It, as I'm, you're living with someone, or if you're in a relationship with someone, you, you better figure out how to give grace before you get married. Because it's, it's looking over everybody, your faults, and trying to look to the common good. Grace is, is forgiving. Grace is walking, walking with someone. You, can, you, know, you can walk with someone and not agree with something. See, marriage is one of the greatest tools to teach us how to extend grace and receive grace from other people. It's by grace that we're saved. We've got to remember that that what grace is, church. And if you're single, it doesn't mean that you have to wait until you're married to understand what it means to give grace. I think a lot of times we think that, okay, well, I don't have to worry about sanctification until I get married because then I'm going to have someone else to really show me who I am. You know who you are. One of the greatest things I, 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 that I've heard in a long time is just how I heard a sermon last week, matter of fact. The guy was talking about how um, when singles are seeing or dating, he said, you know what you need to do, brother? You need to go and you need to do your homework. He said, you need to find out if that woman can live with her roommates because she can't live with her roommates. She sure can't live with you. I was like, but it's the same thing. It's not just about women, but it's also with men. If we can't have relationships outside of marriage, then when we do get in a marriage, we're going to wreak havoc. So don't wait till, till you get in a, in a, in a relationship, in, a, in some type of in marriage. Don't wait till you get in marriage to start trying to work on yourself because you got to let God do the work in you. Amen. You know, when, when people live in pro, close proximity to one another and they do life together, there's always going to be a rub. There's always going to be some issue. Somebody's always going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You with me? But it's understanding how to give grace to each other. To understand how to love you in spite of your attitude today. It's looking and saying, you know what, I'm going to love you like Christ loves me. Because when I'm jacked up, when I'm messed up, his love never waves. His love never stops. His love never gives out on me. And so because I am submitting to God and I'm allowing him to fill me, then I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to give up on my marriage. I'm not going to give up on this relationship because I love Christ and I love you. And it's time for us, even though it's hard. See, we need to understand something that marriage is not where we find somebody to complete us. It's time for us to get over that corny Jerry Maguire stuff. It's like, oh, you complete me. Another person will never complete you. If you're looking for somebody to complete you, you will wreck their life and your life. Because the only one that was ever created to complete you and I was Jesus Christ. 
because it's through him in which we find redemption. It's through him that we find peace. It's through him that we have even satisfaction. So unless we're totally rooted and grounded in Christ, all these other relationships are going to always wind up being wrecked. You know, marriage is a tool that God uses to shape us. Relationships are tools that God uses to shape us. And I say relationships because I see a lot of friendships that are broken. People don't speak to each other for years because they choose not to forgive, not not to overlook hurt. There's just certain people that are just hard to deal with, amen? But I wonder how hard to deal with I am in the eyes of Christ. How obstinate I am, how bullheaded I am, how opinionated I am, how, but yet he loves me anyway. He never quits. He keeps coming back to me. He keeps giving me a second chance. He keeps having confidence in me. See, we give up on all these friendships and relationships. But see, what I've learned is when I don't give up on a friendship but I keep pursuing them, even though they don't pursue me, eventually they see that I love them and I love Christ and they want to know how could I love them when they treated me the way they treated me. Right? Because I'm giving grace that I, was ne- I, I could never give apart from Christ. The same way in our marriage. The same way in our marriage as church. Marriage is used to shape our character into the likeness of Christ. It's one of the greatest tools. But we, we lay around and we, we fuss and we complain because they're not fulfilling my needs. They're not doing this. I don't feel loved. And I know it's an easy trap to fall in, but really, when you totally surrender your life to Jesus and you're focused on this relationship more than anything else, all this other stuff works itself out. Because the reason we can't have conversations with each other because I'm so offended that you don't treat me the way I want to be treated so I don't tell you how I feel because I can't tell you how I feel like an adult. So we don't have this this conversation and so I'm mad. And this goes on for years and years and years and then it turns into bitterness because you don't understand me. And every marriage that I've known that's ever ended is because bitterness has been a root and it's hard to overcome bitterness. But if we would allow this to shape us, church. See, God didn't give us marriage to make us feel like a failure. He gave us marriage to make us look more like Jesus. So the more we submit to one another, the more we love one another, the more that I walk away from offenses. So we got to stop being so offended by our spouses thinking that they're out to get us. And we need to try to understand our spouses. So I meet with a lot of couples and one of the first things I ask them is what does your spouse need to feel loved? And nine times out of ten I get this blank look. You know why? Because they've never invested in their marriage enough to understand each other. And it's amazing how many marriages change direction by just sitting down and understand what makes you feel loved. This is what makes me feel loved. And when you start understanding what makes each other feel loved and appreciated and accepted, let me tell you what happens. It begins to change because now it's just you don't understand me, not that you hate me because we're walking in this offensiveness because you think that they're doing all these things vindictively to make you mad. I must be preaching some real truth. Ain't nobody amen or nothing tonight, today. But that's the reality and Satan wants to confuse all of us, church. He wants to wreck your marriage because if he can wreck your marriage, he can wreck your life. If you have kids, he wants to wreck your marriage so that your kid's life will not ever see what it really looks like for mommy and daddy to love each other and walk in in unity. 
if we're not really focused on that, church, it, we allow Satan to get a foothold and he, he, he wrecks it. And it doesn't only just affect us, it affects our children. And we've got to allow it to shape us. I know, when, look, when it's hard, when you're tired, when you're stressed, when the children are crazy, when, when, when there's more bills than money. Anybody, amen? Huh? When, when demands on, when there's so much demands on your time, when your schedule is crazy, when there's more laundry than you've ever dreamed of. Come on. He's calling you to see him more clearly. To see him more clearly. When all these things are going on, we're looking at our spouse like you're the one to making me feel this way. When it's, we should stop looking at our spouse and stop looking at Christ. God, change me in this situation. God, I'm feeling angry today. God, change my heart. God, I feel like I'm being abused today. I feel like, really, I feel like they're treating me like I'm second rate. Lord, change my heart so when I come in, when I come home, I don't treat them bad. We've got to allow marriage to shape us, church. The struggles of life are not meant to send you into this vacuum of hatred and bitterness. It was meant to push you, propel you closer to Christ. And I know it's so easy. And if we could get this one thing right, if we really could get the, the, the aspect of relationships right, I honestly believe that everything else would be easier. Because everything hinges on our relationships. Because our relationships should be as our relationship with Jesus. And it's hard, I understand. But we have to stop. We have to stop believing that our circumstances define how I feel. We have to stop believing all these things and really start looking to Christ. And so as we continue on the rest of this series, we're really going to dig down deep the stuff that that's hurt you. We're going to dig down deep of stuff that, that you're holding on to. We're going to dig down deep of why you respond the way you respond so that not only so we can reveal it, but so that you can get healing. Amen? And I pray that this morning, that, that, that maybe this is, is evoked some things in your heart. But I want to ask you a question. What, what in your relationship do you need to give to God today? What in your relationships do you need to God? Maybe, maybe you need to give selfishness to God today. Maybe you come and say, Lord, I hate it that I'm selfish. I don't know how to get out of it. God, re Lord, redeem me from being selfish. Help me be humble. Maybe you need to come and honestly pray that. Maybe you need to say, God, help me stop being a lazy husband or a lazy wife. God, help me want to go extra above and beyond for my wife. Maybe you need to say, God, my marriage has been so unfulfilling for so many years. I've got so much hatred built up toward my spouse. I've got so much bitterness built up. And God, I don't know how to get rid of it, but I know that if I don't get rid of it, then something's going to go bad. Maybe you need to come and give that bitterness to God. Maybe you need to come and give that to Him. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I am hopeless. I don't see how you're going to save this marriage. I don't know how you're going to save this relationship. Maybe you need to come and give this hopelessness to God. Because He is the King of kings. Amen. And if we believe that he is who I say he is, he is who he says he is, then man, he can change anything. We've just got to bring it to him. So what in your life has to go so that God is honored in your relationship? What? You know, as we close out, I'm fixing to close this out. 
But marriage and how we treat others show our hearts more than anything else. And so we say we're a follower of Jesus. But how have we acted and treated our spouse this past week? Does that show that we love Jesus? How about friends and family that's in our life that we have relationships with? Have we treated them like Christ would treat them? Church, if we're always offended, then we've always got unmet expectations. Maybe you need to ask God to change your expectations. Maybe you have unrealistic expectations and you need to have God's expectations for your marriage. Maybe you need to ask God, Lord, are my expectations, my preferences? God, change me. Maybe you've realized that you've been a something else to your spouse. And maybe you just need to come and say, God, I want you to forgive me so that when I go home, I can ask them to forgive me. Church, I'm telling you, it's time that we reclaim our marriages and our relationships that, so they honor God. Because nothing, nothing shows Jesus more than how we love other people. And how can we say that we love a God that we can't see when we won't love those creating His image that we can't? So I'm finna open up these altars. If you don't know Jesus and you like to, and you say, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to give my life to Christ. You know, you know, you know one of the greatest blessings of our marriage is when Sabrina and I struggled our whole time, it, right at the end. One of the, I think the greatest blessings that she's ever given me is telling me this one thing. And she said, Jeremy, when our marriage was the roughest it ever could have been, I hated God. I hated you. She said, the greatest thing I ever could, the greatest blessing I ever got was you never giving up on me. And you praying with me, you being patient with me through this whole thing. Because you know what? We sat down when everything got better and she realized, and we realized that that night that everything got bad, that she actually prayed and said, God, I don't know if I'm saved. And if I'm not, save me tonight. She woke up the next morning and the cloud was lifted, church. And everything's been different. So maybe the hinging on your relationship means that you really need to surrender your life to Jesus because you never have really given him your life. And if that's you today, why don't you just raise your hand so we can pray with you, we can walk with you. And if you're too ashamed to raise your hand, find me before you leave. Because if that hadn't happened, who knows where our marriage would be today. Guys, guys, understand this. If you don't ever hear anything that I ever say again, is God wants your marriage to show your family and your friends the love of Christ in a way your words can't. He wants the way you love your spouse to show the world the love of Jesus the way your Facebook account can't. He wants your marriage and your relationships to show people around you how you can get over you and how you can promote Christ or to anything else. And I don't care where you are this morning. I don't care if your marriage is struggling. I don't care if your marriage is thriving. I don't care if you've been married 20 times. I wasn't saying five. I don't care how many times you've been married. 
be carrying guilt from the past. You may be carrying guilt from other marriages. You need to come and just get it right before God because if we're not bringing those issues before Him, we're just walking with them and carrying them and you're carrying away you were never intended to carry. So let's lay our burdens at the foot of the cross. Amen. Maybe today's the day that you grab the hand of your spouse and y'all will come and let's pray together. But let's be real. Let's be authentic and let's run after Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for today. And, and God, I just pray for every man and woman under the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, that God, you would show us where there's holes in our relationship with you. Where there's things that, that, that we mask very well, but yet, God, we're broken inside. We're carrying around hurt. God, I just pray you just show us that we're not perfect. I pray, God, you would speak into our heart. And, God, you would give us a humility we've never had. That you would give us this desire to seek after you more than any time in our life. I pray, God, for many marriages this morning that you would restore them. I pray, God, you would give hope to the hopeless. I pray, God, that you would, God, those that are, that are just walking in selfishness, that, Lord, you would help set them free today. God, move in us, Lord, so that the world around us will know how real you are by the way we allow you to change our lives. So, God, move in us. In Jesus' name.